Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about the intersection of your talents, your passions, and your market, or a market, yes. hopefully. Yes. I like that. <laughs> so this was kind of spawned by a series of emails I wrote last week, I guess. And one was called Easy Doesn't Mean Cheap and Hard Doesn't Mean Expensive. Those were the two different titles. And, uh, and for me... It boils down to the Venn diagram of those three things, uh, as, as Rochelle put it, talents, passions, and market. I've seen different versions of this with different things in the circle, but it's the same concept. And I think you're mm-hmm. more concise, which I like. <laughs> um, so, so the idea here, from, from my perspective, uh, has everything to do with positioning and being able to leverage your expertise and command a, a high fee or at least high relative to your costs. So very profitable kind of kinds of engagements. Uh, but I know, Rochelle, when we were talking about this before the show, you you were seeing that as sort of like farther down and you're, you're think of it as a higher order thing or farther upstream, um, maybe starting with branding. So anyway, since we're a little bit, we both view it kind of differently, we thought we'd sort of talk it out and maybe you, the dear listener, would find um, maybe the, the interplay between the two ways that we look at it would, would one or both or, or the combination would click with you. Yeah, I think there's 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 a ray of light in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the thing that if you if you imagine the Venn diagram, you've got three circles, and there's the overlap of all three in the in the center, and that's kind of like your sweet spot. I would, what do you think of the center as? I think of it as like the yeah, it it is. I call it that. It's it's that's your sweet spot as long as we define the talents, passions, and market. Great. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So talents to me are the things that you're really good at. And, you know, one of the things that I always do when I'm working on a strategic project is try to pull out all the talents of the person that I'm working with. And also, I want to make very clear, you may have some talents that you don't want to do anymore. Right. Where you've said, I'll give an example. I used to work a lot with partners who were warring with each other. They couldn't agree on anything. And I was really good at getting them to figure it out. And I'm like, you know, this really isn't fun. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to deal with people who aren't warring with each other. It's mu- much more interesting. So, yes, it's a talent, but it's not one that I that I advertise. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a million. It's, you know, playing guitar, coding for money. You know, it goes on and on. You know, whatever you name it, there's a bunch of stuff I have done in the past, and I am not interested at all in, in uh, certainly doing it as a business. I mean, in in most in most cases, not even as a hobby. So yeah, totally get that. It's not. It's absolutely its own its own bubble. Let Let me ask you this though: Do you find would you see a significant difference between calling that bubble talents or skills? And the reason I ask is because I feel like some people think. Or, or maybe this is a more of a question. Let me phrase it like a question. Do you think talents are innate or can they be learned? They can be learned. Um, but the problem I have with skills is that people think, oh, I have to have a degree in that. I have to have this track record, a formal track record to call that a skill, whereas a talent can be innate. And a lot of us, we don't even think about our, our greatest talent. It comes so easy to us a lot yeah. of times that we don't even think about it as a talent. Totally. Yeah, I see that all the time. People just completely miss it. Yeah. So for me, I don't like using the word because I feel like it gives a connotation that there is a there is a, a formality to this that I don't believe is necessary. Like a credential. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. this isn't about credentials and we can use credentials to prove authority. But to me, this isn't about credentials. It's about what you can demonstrate. Right. So you can demonstrably like rip a killer guitar solo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, like, I couldn't, but you could. <laughs> right. Or like Jerry Seinfeld could reliably crack up an audience, whether or not he's still passionate about that, who knows, but he can definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. I dig that. All right, so passions next, maybe. How do you define that one? To me, it's it's the things that you love to do that you would do if nobody ever paid you a dime for them, mm-hmm. and yep. it can be all over. And the passions don't necessarily have to get loaded into what you do for work, but I find it really helpful to get a full picture of someone's passions because there might be things that you want to weave into branding, let's say on social media. So Jonathan, let's say you said, listen, I'm not going to play guitar for money, but it's so much a part of who I am that you know, once in a while, you're going to post some guitar stuff in your social media, or you're going to have a YouTube video of you um, when you went to um, to band camp, mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I think it's helpful to know what they are, but you don't have to use them all in your work. Yeah, that's totally fair. Well, that's the stuff that's outside the intersections, I suppose. So like, like you could fill in that bubble, like where there's no overlap, you know, yeah. like the stuff where... Yeah. Um, like I'm passionate about some stuff that I stink at. Like I have no talent, mm-hmm. you know, like, like drumming. I could, I could play drums all day, but I stink. You know, I'm like, I can't even play an ACDC song, but I just love the feeling of doing it. Well, if um, you did it all day, every day, you'd probably get good at it. It probably would. Right. So, and that's true, but it's, I guess I'm just emphasizing that they are completely independent. They are mm-hmm. two different things. Yes. Um, and you, sometimes I see people who are, you know, the same thing, like where they're taking something that they're super passionate about, but they're, they don't have that much talent because it's too <laughs> soon. You know, it's like, I, I couldn't go tour the rock band. Like that would be ridiculous. I couldn't even, I couldn't even like, like, I, you know what I mean? I don't even know how to break the drums right. down and carry them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you won't be auditioning locally, I guess, from what you just said. Right. But there are people... Uh, it's, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many people, but I do occasionally notice, because this is hard to see from the outside, but I do occasionally get a glimpse into someone's, um, uh, I guess I would say business or, or idea for a business where they're really excited about something, but they really, they're, they, the talent's not there yet. They haven't built up the talent yet. Right. So, um, you know, so in that, in the, between those two circles, the talents and the passions, you could, you could do like a, uh, an exercise with like sticky notes where you write down a bunch of things that you're good at and not business related, just everything, 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 right. and a bunch of things that you really enjoy doing things you really love doing. And, you know, write down all of those. And, uh, you know, and then obviously, we're going to get when we get to the next one, but you would look for overlaps, like, where would you put them? Like, you know, are there any are there any that fit in both categories, passions and talents? I like the sticky note idea, too, because you can use color to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easier to see sometimes when you do it that way. It's a, it's yeah. a visual. Totally, and the, and I just want to. You said this already, but it's I I noticed that people are blind to to certain ones, whether it's talents or passions. They're just blind to stuff that's either so easy for them they don't perceive it as a talent, or feels so impossible to like make a living at or something mm. like that, or they have no talent for it, that they just forget to put it on the list and they, and they limit, like if you were going to try and fill up the passion bubble with, um, with sticky notes, 
you would not limit it to stuff that you are also talented at and people want to spend money on. That's like not the right. point. Right. The point right. is to put everything in there and look for some surprises. Mm-hmm. Well, and the things that you have in that passion list, you might be surprised. It, when you look at it the first time, you think, oh, well, nobody's going to pay me for that. But as you look at all three of these circles, you may find a way. And it might be as simple as the kinds of people you like to talk to. Right. Yeah, it happens to me all the time when I'm doing positioning work with people where they're like, you know, I'm like, you know, what are you passionate about? And the word passion, it's, it's got a little bit of a, people have a, a tendency to be like, it, it gets used, it's got a bad reputation in some circles because of like the way that, that bosses will kind of use it against you to like get a, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is just like Rochelle said, it's things that you love to do that you would do anyway. And when I'm talking to people, when I first meet them, I would be like, what are your hobbies? What are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? And they'll, they'll be like, like a really short list. And I'm like, I mean, I know you're younger than me, but that's it. Like <laughs> two things, you know? So, so and it's I not might be somebody with very young children. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But it's not, it's, it's really, it's never just two things. They're just leaving stuff yeah. out. They're editing stuff out because... They, they feel like... Because the- we're used to editing. Mm. And that's the point of this, is you have to take the filters off mm-hmm. to really do this exercise for yourself. No filters. And you can't do it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. You come back to it. Yeah. So I would say, to, like, a, a classic one is somebody would say, you know, like, just use guitar, for example. I'd be like, what are your passions? And they're like, coding. And I'm like, that's it? And I, <laughs> and then be like, yeah, pretty much. That's all, that's all I do or that's all I like to do. Um, I'd be like, well... Do you play a musical instrument? And they'll be like, yeah, but I could never make a living at that. It's like, that's, mm-hmm. I'm like, tell me all the passions, <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's, it's because the thing is, we hire real people. We don't hire cardboard cutouts. We hire real people. And real mm-hmm. people have talents and passions. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So I guess, I guess I'm noticing that so far with these two, with talents, there's a your the the blind spot is that you're so good at something, or you've been so good at something for so long, you forget that it's a talent. It just feels like everyone can do that. Mm-hmm. And then the passions thing, you have a, people have a tendency to leave out stuff that they that in the exercise they leave out stuff that they think they can never make money at, or wouldn't want to make money at. But still, I want it on the list so that we can look for surprises. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. All right, market. How do you define market? Because I think we're a little bit. I think we see this two different ways. Well, market to me is that someone or enough someone's wants to buy this, that there is, and I would say a demonstrated market. And it's not that you can't create your own, but usually the people that I work with don't have, you know, five years to figure, you know, to build a market or 10 years. So it's an established market for the overlap Mm -hmm. of talents and passions, obviously. But Mm -hmm. how do you look at it, Jonathan? Um, so I, I, I see it the same way you do, but there's a, a word that I'll get to in a second. Um, but first I wanted to mention, I just watched a, a video about like the econ, like explain how to understand the economy in five minutes by Ray Dalio. And <laughs> he had a great definition of market, which I'll try not to butcher. Um, but it's, I think he said, it's the group of all people who are transacting the same thing. So it's the group of all people, you know, transacting means buyers and sellers who are all, um, you know, trading money for code or trading money for cars or um, mm-hmm. whatever, trading money for stocks. 
So it's basically like, it's basically like, um, it's what you said. I just like that little, that definition. It's, it's all the people that are transacting around buying and selling the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you that, that it's, um, let's just say it's highly risky to create a new market. Uh, and also on that point, I will say that I talk to people sometimes who think that they're creating a new market and actually they're not. They just don't know that there is a market already <laughs> or, <laughs> right. or they call it something that the rest of the universe doesn't call it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like you're so down in the weeds and you're so, it's so specific. Like, no, I, I make, I make, you know, whatever, uh, something really specific like WordPress websites for, you know, single page WordPress websites. And I'm like, that's marketing execution. You're in marketing. They're like, no, it's different. It's not marketing. I'm not a marketer. It's like, yeah, that's what you're doing. You're, you're making marketing assets. So, um, so sometimes there's, so the blindness there, there's a couple of kinds of blindness here that maybe are really, uh, maybe there's a grand unifying theory of the blindness in the market bubble. But for me, it's like a lack of imagination about or a lack of understanding about how many freaking people there are. There's so oh, many yeah. people. And since we're no longer limited to the market in our, you know, we're not, we're not limited by the accidental geography that we happen to find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for you to be limited to your immediate vicinity. So yes. the the so you your market, whatever it is, is global, almost certainly. So you know, for anyone listening to this, so uh, one of the things, that, so the thing that the main. Um, uh, doubt or objection or like skepticism is really the word I'm looking for uh, about the market bubble when I'm talking to someone is that it, they always say the same thing, but will there be enough, will there be enough people who want to buy that for me yeah. to make a living? Right. You know, it's, and it's so, it, it has happened to me, I think once, and I think you've mentioned once that, that you had a, a, a client that was like, yeah, this would never make any money. You know, like this, mm-hmm. I, this product idea, there's just not enough not enough people for it to make sense. But well, that, yeah, there's a whole another layer you, we could unpack there, right? Because it also depends on how you create it, what price point you use, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it has to be profitable, right? Yeah, but when we're talking about market for this purpose, we're really talking about the people that might buy this. This being some kind of a service that we haven't identified yet. It's some kind of an intersection between talents, passions, and an existing market. An existing pool of transactors. Yes, <laughs> my and new so, word. Yes, and and so the the thing I mentioned earlier that I wanted to loop back to was um, we were talking before the show. Do you you see a difference between um, your market and your audience? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess we sort of split hairs, but to me, the audience is. Also, people who are not going to buy from you, but may refer you. There's all kinds of people in your audience, but you have a target market. And that to me is the is the people who will buy your services. Actual potential buyers, right? That, and yeah. that, you know what? That does make sense because I, I'm thinking of examples. Um, I know at least one person. I, I feel like I know more than that, but I know at least one person who has, uh, or at one time had a gigantic uh mailing list, which I would consider an audience, you know, like a quarter million people and Mm -hmm. they wouldn't buy a thing off them. Like they just weren't buying things. And you see people actually, I've heard plenty of like young YouTubers whining about like, uh, you know, I get a million views every video, but you guys won't buy my merch, you know? 
So mm-hmm. yeah, so I guess you're right. Like there's no market, but there is an audience. Yeah, the market piece does. Yeah, it. Yeah, I mean that goes back to Ray Dalio's definition. It's people. It's a group of people who are who are exchanging money for the thing. People mm-hmm. who are just like sitting on the sidelines, you know, wallflowers lurking around the corners are not not part of the market. Yeah, and then and then you know we could have a whole sidebar conversation about there's people who are listening who really aren't buyers now, but will be in the future or are highly likely to be. So, and that's part of the the journey of figuring out who your audience is and how to give them what they want in a way that matches your brand and your business model. Because you don't want to be chasing after every little nuance that is going to wind up having you create services and products that nobody's buying or that not enough people are buying. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So now, when you, at what stage would you go through an exercise like this with like a new client, for example? Oh, right at the beginning. Me too. Right away. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's part of the positioning. I mean, that's what we were talking about before the show. It's just I we probably put different labels on it, but I feel like I can't position somebody or help them to position themselves if I don't understand the intersection of those three things. Yep. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. and it's in fact when I do strategy work, I always have a research component because I don't know what their market looks like. I mean, it maybe, you know, if it's, if it's a certain kind of specialty that I've worked with many times, I'm going to have a feel for it. But even then, you still have to research and see who is in that space. What are they saying? What are they doing? What are they selling? You know, because part of this is that you want to carve out white space that nobody else owns. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's that too. Well, that's yeah. a great point. So, so if you're, if you're working with someone, do you have like, uh, does it matter to you which one of these three they start with? Or if you're trying to coach them, do you kind of bounce around between the three looking for kind of like a nonlinear process where you're just like, you know, figuratively jotting down sticky notes? I, well, you know me, Jonathan, I have a process. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do with these is, um, and it depends on whether I'm coaching them or whether I'm actually doing a strategy project. Um, but in, in both cases, there's a homework piece. And, and the talents and passions are one of the very first things. And I give them a bunch of things at the same time, and they can do them in any order. But we don't really get moving until I know what these things are. Um, and the market is... Um, you know, I ask them for their view of it. And if I'm doing strategy work, then I'm also adding a research component for me to look at the market. And then we'll have a conversation about that because just because I see something doesn't mean that's how the client experiences it. So yeah, but to me, that all has to come in right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Totally agree. And the interesting thing about, or maybe something that's worth noting is that talents and passions are internal like you don't have to ask anybody else you just sit there and think about it um, maybe you could maybe you could ask your friends like hey if, what things do you think I'm good at you know maybe there's some sort of reflection like that where you bounce bounce the question off people who know you really well from different parts of your life or you could even do a questionnaire I've done that with clients yeah and so it, it's and one of the questions that, that I just want to make a point of this is you know what about what talent do I have that you think I'm not seeing Mm. Which is a really powerful question to ask your friends. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What's your process for helping people like not edit that list down? Like, 
uh, it, it happens to me pretty regularly that someone, you know, I'll be working with, with someone for like two weeks and they'll say something and I'm like, wait, like they'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like they just forget it. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot that. So do you have any like tricks in the passions bubble for like, like, um, jogging their memory? It feels like jogging their memory. Well, one of the, one of the things, I don't know if it's a trick, but, um, one of the, th- of the homework assignments I always give people is what I call experiences and stories. Mm-hmm. And the process of writing about the big things that have happened to you that have influenced your views or just how you feel about yourself or life, the world. Um, when somebody does that, the passions part is even easier because they can see it. Mm-hmm. And so so the trick, if, if I were asking somebody to, to do it themselves, is to say, look at those experiences and stories and look at those talents and passions and are there things that you haven't captured in here? How, you know, how do you look at those things? And it, it's interesting. I, I don't have that many experiences where the passions aren't there. Um, but I also ask them for their vision. And people are like, vision, vision. I said, no, no, no. Just vision for like, what does life look like? Like, you know, we hit a home run here. What does your life look like? And people yeah. will tell you. And they'll talk about their kids. They'll talk about their spouse. Right. Um, how they spend their you, time. Exactly. All those things. And so when you do all those things and you look at them, and again, obviously this is easier if you're outside the bottle, right? Mm-hmm. It's way yeah, totally. easier to look at somebody else's and see those those trends. But it's when you put all those things together, it gets hard to ignore. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's a great. You've mentioned that exercise before, but I, I don't I don't think I heard it in this context, the the experiences and stories one. And I don't think I've, I don't think I, I sort of uh, it didn't click with me as much as it does now in this context of like trying to trying to like uncover and identify and uh, your talents and passions. So that's that's really cool. So now- well, th- that's the idea here. And it's what we're talking about with talents and passions before we hit the market is we're trying to identify what is unique and special about us and what motivates us at our most basic level. Because if we're designing something that doesn't excite you, you're not going to be motivated to to make it happen. It's got to, you know, it's just, you know, Rochelle's view of the world. But we got to tie these things to motivation and emotion and something really positive because we all work hard. And why not work for something we really care about? Right. Yeah. I mean, if you just want to make money, go to Goldman Sachs, you know, like, like you, there, there are plenty of paths for that. So the, like the people I, I tend to work best with are ones that are like uh, soloists are really small team and they are unemployable. They just, they're just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's, it, it's not, the money doesn't motivate them. Like past a certain point, you know, I think, I, th- I think the number in like the, that Dan Pink book, he's something like seventy seventy five thousand dollars in the U.S. If one, once past that, the per you know for one person, the after that the money doesn't really motivate people, and they start thinking about higher order things farther up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They start thinking like, oh well, do I really want to be working for a company that does stuff I think is evil, or um, you know, am I really spending my life the right way? Because like once your food, shelter, and etc. is covered you know, incremental income, at least for the people I tend to work with, it doesn't, it doesn't do any, it does, doesn't do much. Yeah. You get to the point where it's like, uh, you know, what am I spending my life energy on? 
Yeah, I'm waking up every morning crying that I because I don't want to. You know, mm-hmm. it's like at a certain point the money's just not worth it. Yes. So, and and if you're and if you're putting yourself out there and and uh, and being an entrepreneur, starting your own business, why not start one you're gonna jump out of bed in the morning? Like, wouldn't that be better? You know? Yeah. And, and like, is there a ramp up time? Yeah, but there's gonna be a ramp up time for anything. So anyway, um, so let's move on to market because this one, this one, I think, you know, it's it's got much more of a research component. There's a lot more homework, uh, and and it's so important. Like when someone comes to me that has a like laser focused target market, they're completely familiar with what their the target market is for them. Mm-hmm. It makes everything so oh, much yes. easier. Yes. So much easier. It's insane how much, what a difference it is. It's night and day. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I guess one of the things I, I feel like I should mention about target market is a lot of people interpret that when they hear it, they, they think I mean a vertical market. That's just one kind of market. So if you're, you know, that's just one way to segment a group of people, uh, like a vertical market, like dentists or people who own pizza places or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, we've talked about it before in the specialization, one of the specialization episodes, like there's lots of different ways to, you know, to, to carve out your people. It could be um, affinity or psychographic or demographic or vertical or whatever. There's lots of different ways, you know, I mean, there's, you could kind of, I, I suppose you could define my target market, like people who hate billing by the hour. Like that's kind of one way to define my target market. Mm-hmm. If you hate billing by the hour, you really need to know about me because <laughs> <laughs> it means that you do bill by the hour and and you've recognized that it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So that you could say, and to me, that's a psychographic. It's like a, it's a feeling. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an attitude. So it's, and, so it's, and the minute you do that, it's more powerful because then you have an emotion to play with in the materials that you create for them. Like if you if you were doing dentists with a mission, I mean, you'd be more specific than that. But that all of a sudden, you're not interested in the garden variety dentist. You're interested in the ones that treat their profession like a mission. Well, what does that look like? How do you get to those people? You can just see how you would write differently and speak differently to that audience versus, you know, the garden variety, variety dentist down the street just trying to pay off his school loan. Yep. Yeah. So how would how do you help people or how do you when you're researching a market for someone or with someone what's your process there? Well mine is I start by asking the client first who do you look at who do you think of with the space and then you know Google is my friend I go everywhere and it's so interesting because you'll find these people and when I bring them back to the client they're like who the heck is that? Oh my God, they're making a living doing that. (laughs) And so, and I'll follow, you know, I'll follow code words, uh, keywords and, and find people and I will find, you know, really odd people, uh, or I shouldn't say odd people, the people practicing some odd specialties. And I call that your brand neighborhood. So they're not necessarily competitors. They're not even necessarily right in your space, but they're instructive to what you need to know about your space. Yep. They have something to teach us. And it's not always something positive, right? Sometimes I've, I've given examples where I said, okay, so this is somebody who um, they're theoretically doing what you say you want to do, but look how awful this is. 
Look how much better, you know, you could be in this space. So it's finding those people that are in your space or your adjacent space who have something to teach you. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to lift their stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But it, what it does is when you look at a, at a market, if you just think about it as a circle and other people have staked out claims in that circle. And so you have to find that space that you're going to stake out. So it's white space. And it's not that you don't have competitors. It's not that there's other people, that there aren't other people in, in that circle, but everybody knows the upper right hand corner is yours. Yeah, right, right. Right. You just have to decide what the two axes are that you're going to define for yourself where yes. everybody else is like in the, you know, some like on the far left or at the bottom and you're way up in the right corner by, by redefining the playing field, mm-hmm. you know, like Seth Godin does a great, um, does a great, uh, you know, four square graph of, uh, what's, I, I can't remember the name. Uh, it's this like fancy chocolate company. And, uh, they were like, you know, everybody in the chocolate market, Hershey's and et cetera, they're all, you know, trying to do decent chocolate at a, at a cheap price, you know, like low margin mm-hmm. chocolate. And there's some other things. And they, they just were, were like, the two axes we're going to compete on are like, um, uh, fair trade and luxury, like, like oh, qual- okay. quality, I should say. Quality. Yeah. So highest quality, fair trade chocolate you can get. And guess what? It's like $10 a bar. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're super successful. I wish I could remember the name. It's a famous name, but it's I can't think of it right now. But you know what? You know everybody else was competing on. You know nobody was competing on fair trade. Let's mm-hmm. just say I, I might be I might have the example wrong, but it, but it's valid. Like if nobody in the chocolate market was competing on like we're the the most fair trade chocolate out there, then then all of a sudden they created a space for themselves. If anybody cares if anybody cares about that but you know this guy i, I think he was like a lawyer that's the positioning that's the whole right. positioning exercise and that's a great mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. because finding that fair trade um access if you will mm-hmm. is part of what you want to do when you're doing all that research right how who are is you talking about what yes how yeah. are you different what hill do you want to claim basically yeah, yeah. There's a great a great moment that happens when I'm working on a laser focused positioning statement with a student, and they always get well, not always, but often they'll get super hung up on you know what's unique about you, the unique differentiator at the end. Yeah. And 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 it's every time I just go, they're like, oh, I don't know what you know. They'll say something that's not unique at all. I have ten years of experience. Like oh, you're the only one that has ten years of experience. <laughs> and and I'll say um, I'll say. Uh, well, who are your competitors? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, no wonder you don't know how you're different. You don't know who you're comparing yourself to. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like, exactly. it's like, it's like, you know, what's six minus? There's no answer. <laughs> yeah, you, need, you have to know what you're subtracting from. Like, what's I was the sitting difference? here waiting for you to like put the number in. Like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> you can't answer it. You need yeah. to know what you're yeah. subtracting from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so go find those people. And I, I'm like you, I don't see, like I could list people that that like in in my brand neighborhood who people might consider competitors of mine but i don't see it that way and i know most of them and they don't see it that way yeah you well know? you and I. I yeah right i don't even see it that way blair yeah, ends I david mean, c baker philip morgan mike sapersky david a fields like they've been guests on the show like right. you know what i mean there's so yeah. much there's so much we're all different to go around yeah totally mm-hmm. yeah there's tons of them 
anyway, there's there's tons of people doing the kinds of stuff that you do, dear listener. Um, so you're almost certainly not inventing a new market. And a great way to, if for you know, if when I'm doing research for somebody or when we're doing it together, uh, I'll be like, sort of like you know, it's is there someone try and find somebody who's kind of doing the same thing and has been doing it longer and then see what they're doing. So like what conferences do they speak at? What podcasts do they go on? Mm -hmm. And then you work backwards from where they're showing up, especially if they show up there repeatedly, which kind of indicates that it it was good. It was like it clicked. And like when I went on Chris Doe's show, I've been on Chris Doe's show a couple of times. Yeah. He's another one. And and you can see if you like, if you're like kind of, I don't know, if someone's listening to this and they kind of want to copy me, just search for my name plus podcast or plus episode and omit, you know, our own podcasts and see what other shows I've been on and then say like, okay, what kind of audience do these shows probably have? That's probably my market. Yeah. So you can, you can just, you can just check. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why, I mean, research, and I feel like research is like this big fancy name. It's just going out you're and look Googling. at stuff. Yeah, you're yeah. Googling around. Right. And, and when you do that, go down the rabbit hole. I love the sites that have all kinds of stuff in it. They're mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. And in my uh, my group coaching, I always give them examples. So I'll show them websites for whatever it is we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's usually some where this is a great example of this and this is a terrible example of this because it's helpful to see the bookends. Mm-hmm. But y- y- until you go out and look at those things for yourself, you're living in a bubble. Right. And guess what happens once you do start going down this rabbit hole and you find you find all these air quotes competitors that you didn't know about before and you you immerse yourself in their stuff and you're like, oh, I'm not like this at all. I'm not like this guy or gal. There's so many differences, even though we ostensibly both do business coaching or whatever or mm-hmm. consulting, pricing consulting or like like millennial gurus or whatever. Once you start looking at these other other um people in your brand neighborhood, it's going to become crystal clear what's different about you. Oh, I just did that with a client where what I was suggesting is we position him in in a certain way. And I gave him an example of someone who was in the same space, but the voice of the other was so much softer. And it was clear that the audience for that message was different, even though there was crossover, different audience, different way of delivery different big time yeah yeah i mean even like we totally get along but you can imagine i'm sure that working with either one of us would be a very different experience and you know uh like that the list of people i rattled off before you know i i know because i'm familiar with their work i know exactly how i'm different from chris and blair and david and uh, the the whole list i know exactly Mm -hmm. how i'm different so if somebody came to me and they felt like um uh not a great fit for for uh, you know because i could see that they'd be a great fit for blair i'd be like you should really talk to blair <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. like, yeah you can tell the difference right right so so uh so okay so that's some thinking about like if you don't know what your market is if you if you or you think there isn't one or you don't know what it is uh those are two, both of us gave you some tips for like i mean essentially it boils down to like you know spending an hour or two going down the google rabbit hole and that's actually pretty fun if you've got the time it to do is it. fun yeah no, there's <laughs> and, another- and take notes by the way when you do that take notes like 
um, take the um, the URL and drop it into a Word document or however you keep your notes so that you mm-hmm. can go back and find them again because mm-hmm. sometimes it's impossible to find them a yeah. second time. It'll be a blur, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and so there's a, let's give some other tips because this market one, I think, I think people can kind of take a good first swipe at talents and passions usually, but the market one really hangs people up. Um, another thing you can do here is, is if you're, if you really, if you're super like, like, uh, usually someone with a really horizontal specialization that I work with, they're just like, they're just like an amazing rails developer. Let's say like one of their talents is rails development. They also happen to love it. They know everything about it. They contribute to the rails core and they love it. They're great at it. They're award-winning uh, Rails developer. Mm-hmm. But they're like, but I can build Rails apps. I can build amazing Rails apps for anybody. Ah, uh, yes. Right. And then I'm like, but who needs, you know what I mean? Who who mm-hmm. do you think needs that? Who do you, and, and a lot of times they're like, well, everyone needs it. It's really hard. And then I'll say, <laughs> all right, who do you like? Because you're going to be hanging around with these people. Yeah. And I know it's general, it's a general statement, but you know, would you rather hang around, spend your working life talking to accountants or talking to t- television show producers? Would you rather talk to musicians or uh, would you rather talk to visual artists? Would you rather talk to people who run animal shelters or soup kitchens uh, or, or just churches? Like, who would you rather hang around with? And this is very similar to the passions one. And, and I guess to a certain extent, the talents one they'll pre-edit the list of things that they tell me because, you know, they're like, you know, one of them might be like elementary school teachers, but they don't have enough money to buy Rails apps, mm. you know, pay me for mm-hmm. my expensive thing. And I'm like, don't worry about what you're going to sell them yet. Like, it, it, it's the same thing. It's like, it's like in the market bubble, there are going to be a whole bunch of people who you'd like to help. And not all of them are going to be in that overlap of all three. You know, but don't leave out the stuff that's outside of the other two bubbles. I would, this would be a good a good video episode. <laughs> um, but I'm sure you can imagine. Like, there's all sorts of people who uh, who if you're having trouble with the market exercise, this is the other approach to just make a list of everybody you'd like to help. Mission driven businesses or access, you know, companies who yeah. care about accessibility or whatever. You know, and it, you don't necessarily have to have a track record with them either. Yeah, That's where we true. were talking about the talents idea. Totally true. I mean, I love food. I know a lot about food. I could specialize in working with chefs or restaurant owners or somebody. I would feel very comfortable in terms of talents, passions, doing that, right? Because I would then study everything about running a restaurant. I might go apprentice myself to a restaurant for a couple of weeks just so I could see from the inside what it's like. How do they deal with it? There's all sorts of ways to get that. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Just keep the list as big as you can. You can always take things off later. Yeah. If you really, I have, I have a student who got up to speed on a highly technical target market in like a weekend. It was yeah. just like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you, if you understand the lingo, then, you're in pretty good shape. You need to go beyond that and understand the hopes, dreams, fears, and, you know, worries. But, but getting, getting that first level of like, at least, at least not being an obvious outsider of the the group, uh, it does not take long. If you really, if you really care about it, like if you really want to help these people, you can, you can get yourself up to speed extremely quickly. Um, So that shouldn't be a blocker. And it is, I just want to underline though for a second there is using the lingo Mm -hmm. is really important. Oh yeah. 
somebody comes to me with an email and they're talking about my customers, mm-hmm. I pretty much yeah, delete it. Right. They don't understand. Yeah. It's clients. Yeah. So yeah, same. Th- it's like if you go to a doctor and talk about their clients, like what? <laughs> yeah. That's a great example. You know, in, in restaurants, they don't have customers. They have guests. Like fine dining mm-hmm. restaurants have guests. Hotels have mm-hmm. guests. They don't have customers. Yeah. So, and that's just one thing. I mean, like I'm talking, you know, this, the particular person I'm thinking of is like in a highly technical field. I don't even, un- in, it's like software that I don't even understand. And I mean, and she has no software background whatsoever. She has a journalism degree and like, whatever, you just get up to speed really fast. You yeah. can do it. If you, if you, it, it, it takes cojones. That's the problem. Yeah. You're like I'm going to go, you got to go all in, you know, and like, if you want to do it that fast. You do. And and that's part of is sort of underlying all of this is confidence is that's what that's all of this requires. Building authority requires confidence. Yeah, there's a bit, bit of a leap of faith here. Like this whole exercise is extremely high level. It's almost pre-strategic. It's it's like it's getting to this. I mean, it's strategic, yeah. but it's almost like before yeah. that. Well, you have to have all the inputs to design a strategy. You've got to know what universe you're operating in. And then you also have to know what universe you want to create for yourself in this particular scenario yep. with the There's kinds of folks that are listening to this. Yeah. Yep. There's a vision. reason why you're not employed by somebody else. <laughs> right. Right. There's a reason. Right. And you want to create something that works for you and for whatever market you've you've targeted. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some blockers on the market is it's it's uh, that you don't need to work, that, that are um, overcomeable, are... Um, are that you you don't have experience with them that's mm-hmm. you need to overcome that and i'm probably overstating yep. the weekend thing a little bit but a week two weeks it doesn't take that long yeah that's um, fast in the scheme of life in the scheme of things it's a lot faster than than growing a new talent for example <laughs> <laughs> i'm still trying to learn how to type faster <laughs> uh, oh that's a great example i remember when i taught i was like i just i need to learn how to type this is going to be a massive lever if i know oh, that's bad that was a long time ago what is, I forgot I did that. There you go. There's a talent I forgot I had. <laughs> I can, can type, type like fast. 70 words a minute. Yeah. Woo-hoo. So, um, okay. So uh, there was another thing in the market that I wanted to mention. Um, if you if you do find, if you pick someone you want to help and you haven't helped them before, you don't understand their lingo or you don't understand um, uh, or you don't know their hopes, dreams, and worries and fears, uh what I have people do is um, is pain, go painstorming. I think that's Amy Hoy's term. <laughs> and uh, you painstorm in their watering holes. So you find a place where these people who you, you like and you want to help, where they hang out online, um, you just find places where they vent online. Mm-hmm. Could yeah. be, you know, there's a million places. Could be obvious places like Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook groups or Slack or a hashtag somewhere, a hashtag on Instagram or in the comments on a book they all read in Goodreads or wherever. Just find a place where they're they're flapping their jaws. And and uh, that that's, you know, if you're going to do like a deep dive, like a crash course into this market that, that you want to work with. Uh, I mean, it, <laughs> the Internet makes it so easy. I can't imagine what I would have done before. I mean, you'd have to go to like networking events and conferences in real uh-huh. life to like get any of this info. Yeah. Now it's just like a Google search away. If you're if you're just a little bit clever with Google then you can you can find you not always sometimes it's really hard but when you do find a group of people who are exactly who you want to help it's like 
your whole website practically writes itself. It's, I just did this exercise with a student recently who's uh, specializing in industrial designers. Like, would you think like that's a big enough market to serve? Maybe yeah. a lot of people, I, I do, Huge. a lot of people would say, no, that's too small. But it's like, actually too big. I, I would yeah, imagine exactly. it needs to be sliced and diced some more. Right. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, this particular person was already in, you know, we were, we were about to do this, this research phase and, and we were trying to write a, um, write some copy and it, it felt, you know, I was kind of like, I can always tell them, you know, I can always tell that we haven't got a clear beat on the target market because I struggled with words. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say because I don't know who I'm talking to. As soon yeah. as I know who I'm talking to, I know what words to choose. And and I was like, ah, this is feeling really high level and like wishy-washy and vague and kind of hand-waving. I wish we could talk to a bunch of industrial designers. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm in a forum with some. <laughs> <laughs> you are? Awesome. I'm like, how many people are in it? He's like, I don't know, like three or 4,000. I was like, what? <laughs> go there now <laughs> search for these words you know and it, you know, just you just have like a list of emotionally charged language or um yeah. you know the 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 category of thing you're thinking about the product that you're thinking about building or whatever uh, but it's it's just so many of these four like communities online mm-hmm. you probably know where and, and if the people who you want to help are people who are uh, you're in a community with already it's like pfft, yeah, then it's easy. Well, yeah. it's the challenge sometimes is when you're dealing, you know, Fortune 500, let's say a thousand, Fortune 1000, from Fortune 1 to Fortune 1000, those folks can hold some things close to the vest, but they still have people in their organizations that are participating in whatever functional specialty you're involved in. Mm-hmm. So there will be talk, even at the higher echelons, there will be talk that you can eavesdrop on. Yep. It does get harder. I've had a few. I've had a few markets where we just searched and searched and searched and couldn't find any place where these people were talking online or we got any kind of insight uh, into into their thinking. Um, it's it's not it's not a slam dunk every time, but there are certain there are lots of lots of groups, lots and lots of groups where you know, like I remember one the, uh, years ago when I was dog fooding uh, in the credit union space and I was chatting with folks in the space. I had a few connections. I had done a couple of, I had a couple of clients, just like, you know, a random client came in that was in that space. And then I ended up getting another one from a referral. And so I had a a group of maybe, uh, you know, five or 10 people in that space who I could pick up the phone and they would answer. Mm -hmm. And somehow, I don't remember who told me about it, but I said, I'm looking for a place where like presidents of credit unions or leadership of credit unions are like venting and asking for help. In, in looking for advice and like, oh, there's a, you know, and they, they pointed me to a um, old school Google groups listserv <laughs> and it was like, solid. yeah, yeah, for real. It was solid gold. It was exactly what I was looking for, but it didn't, it hadn't come up in any search. I, mm, I, it yeah. was, I wouldn't have even thought to look in Google groups. I mean, I think it's closed down now, but, but back then it was like, I wouldn't have found this. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're really, if you're really having a hard time, you might be able to through, through your network uh, find people that are, you know, that know about these sort of hidden gems or these private communities that maybe you could get in. Uh, and yet, like I wasn't, I wasn't credit union leadership. I just subscribed and I was in. It was like nothing to yeah. it, you know. So yeah. yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them. I think, you know, lots of masterminds are going to be private. They might even be paid, um, so that might not work. But um, oh, here's another one. Just before, if we're giving tips, 
um, you can look for, if you don't mind spending a couple of bucks, you can look for a course that someone is selling to the kind of people you want to help that also has a community component and buy the course, you know, mm. drop a hundred bucks or whatever it is on the course and you can go and maybe you want to take the course too, but that's not the point. The point is you want to go in and like read, like, like read what these people are saying about, um, the, the sort of innermost feelings about whatever the, whatever the thing is. And maybe you can even help it. You know, it gets a little, um, you don't, you can't be self-promotional yeah. or anything like that, but yeah, that's still, a, that's a, that's a wavy line there. Yeah. I mean, I know nobody to answer a this. question. Yes. Just not offering services. Yeah, yeah. You just can't be right. You just can't be salesy. You get booted immediately. Uh, it'd be totally inappropriate, but you know, as long as you just don't do anything you'd be ashamed of, just go in there. You paid your, in the course, maybe right, you're taking the course and just search around and see what people are struggling with. If it's, if it's the people that you want to help and they're there, why not? I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing too, that we forget is we can talk to people. We can, <laughs> you know, get somebody what? on the phone for 15 minutes and actually pick their brain if, you know, if they're willing, but usually most of us, especially in LinkedIn, we've got some kind of a community for the people that we most want to talk to. Mm -hmm. So there's an opportunity there. And yes, you have to put yourself out there. But when you do it as, here's what I'm searching for, will you help me? Most mm -hmm. people will say yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, this happens. People, I know when I talk to people, they're shocked when I tell them this. But but you're absolutely right. Um, it happens all the time. I, 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 for a, a student and I are doing like LinkedIn outreach because his people are on LinkedIn. And the ask is, you know, we've got an idea for a product, but we don't want to build something no one wants. It's not built. It's not a salesy thing. We're just like curious about what the feature set would look like or if anybody would care. And so it's just like like completely connecting with strangers who are in the market and being and just saying that. Like, hey, could I ask you a quick question? Uh, we're thinking about building this thing, but I wanted to get, you know, we want to get feedback from an actual expert like you before we waste time on something no one wants. Could I ask you, could, you know, they'll say, yeah, to, like tons of people are like, yeah. they all say the same thing. Oh, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but go ahead. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. And it makes them feel good. You're asking their opinion. We like right. to give our opinions. Right. And, and, you know, I would say probably, geez, I should probably measure it, but it feels like 15% of the people, I mean, like 50 or 60% of the people that respond say, yeah, a bit more than that. Oh, probably I think it's 85% of the people that respond say yes. Uh, but, pro you know, but probably the reality is of, of people who you reach out to, they'll accept the connection, but maybe not interact with you in the messages. So, you know, there's, it's, you know, if you connect with a hundred people, you can probably get 10 or 15 to say, yeah, ask me the question. And they give you a really good answer. And so here's the thing that really shocks people, especially software developers, because they hate LinkedIn because they're constantly getting accosted by recruiters. Um, so uh, probably 30% of the people say, who say yes will either give you their email and say, shoot me an email, or they will say, here's my Calendly or here's my phone number, call me anytime. Total mm -hmm. stranger. Yeah. And we we went on one of those calls last week and this guy, um, it wasn't, this guy wasn't a total stranger. He he had worked at a company where my student had, had consulted years ago, um, but they weren't, you know, they weren't like good friends or anything. Mm-hmm. And this guy was so great. I mean, he, he was like, this is exactly what we need. 
uh, here's what here's what I put into it. And he's like, I mean, come to think of it, we should probably just hire you. And, you know, like, <laughs> it was like, wow. And as the same thing has happened to me uh, when, you know, back in, again with the credit union stuff, when I was doing cold LinkedIn connecting to people in the credit union space, I had a number of people just be like, yeah, call me anytime. I had one, one retired um, credit union president. Yeah, call me right now. I'm, I'm in the car. I'm driving somewhere. <laughs> so I called him up and he and he didn't care. He was out of the industry. He brain dumped like, you know, I'm yeah. like, well, what do you think about this? And he's like, that'll never work. Here's why. But what you he could do is He was happy somebody wanted his opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I had one guy, I've, I probably told this story before because it was so funny. Total stranger, right? We get on the phone call. And we're, I'm asking some questions and he's like, I asked something and he was like, oh, he, he's like, hold on. He puts down the phone. I can hear him get up from his desk and close his office door. And he comes back and picks up his phone. He's like, let me tell you, here's how it really works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This totally works. It, it totally it does. works. Mm-hmm. And if you save the names of these people or, you know, you're already connected with them in LinkedIn or someplace like that, and you note that in some way, you can share your new stuff with them. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Because they felt like they were part of that, they'll probably share it. Yeah. With other people they know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Just it's, be nice. Like, like people, are, people will say to me, oh, it feels spammy to do that. I'm like, well, then don't be spammy. Yeah. It's not spammy unless you are spammy. And people are like, yeah, it's, maybe it's just developers that sort of my, my engineering mindset friendlies. I, I think it's, I do think it's more that, but I think the other piece of it though, is that that is shared by people in professions everywhere is that we, we have to put ourselves out there and we're like, oh, that's really what it is. Like, I don't want to call them. I don't want to ask a favor. I don't want to, oh, you know, it's that, it's that kind of whiny thing. We all have that because we, it's, I shouldn't say we all have that. Some of us have it. Um, and you just have to ignore that and do it anyway. Because when we talk about this idea of talents, passions, and market and where they overlap, you are going to create something that could be life-changing or certainly yeah. transformational for that audience. And mm-hmm. that's what you have to think about is you are the bearer of that idea. And yeah. so you want to find from your audience, what do they value? What do they not value? What are the hot buttons? Because it's going to help you help them. Mm-hmm. Help me help them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Help me help you to help them. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of like, uh, as you were talking about that, I'm having this flashback to like junior high cafeteria, public school cafeteria, and that reluctance to go up and you know to the new kid and say hi, I'm John. What's your name? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And looking back, and, and I was not like that. And looking back on it, I wish I was more like that. You know, because like new kid probably was dying for someone to do that. Yeah, it's hard being the new kid. Yeah, he probably wasn't thinking. Geez, I still I hope have no nightmares about me. that. Yeah. <laughs> High school. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's like if you, if you have that experience where you, you, what is, what is that? I mean, fear is too strong a word, but just the reluctance to, to put yourself out there and introduce yourself to someone new. It happens to me now, even, you know, uh, you know, pre COVID when, when there'd be a new student at karate, you know, and there, I mean, think of the, the courage it takes to walk in as a, a adult wearing pajamas with this white belt, you know, and they come and sit down and it's 90% teenagers. And there's like a couple of old farts like me and they just come in and, and, and they just like sit quietly in the corner and it's like, they're dying. 
for someone to come up with them to, up to them and say hello. Like See, those are the people, times out of a hundred. Yeah, those are the people I pick out at parties. Because oh, yeah, those I are the, Yeah. I mean it's a strategy because they're usually so thankful and a lot of times, you know, it's a diamond in the rough. There's it turns out there's somebody really interesting. And if they're not super interesting, there's always something interesting about everybody. Mm-hmm. And you can just think about it, oh, it's my job to find out what's interesting about that person. Yeah. Everybody's got an interesting story if you ask the right question. Yeah. Yeah. You just gotta, you know, you gotta work at it a little bit. So yeah. So anyway, we're we're just trying to encourage you. If you can't if you can't do the lurker approach and painstorm in a watering hole, then you know on your sales safari, I'm like I've got all the Amy Hoy <laughs> taglines today. I was like, man, that's a lot of buzzwords all in one sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good at that. Um, so if if that doesn't work, and you know, like R- Rochelle said, you can just talk to people. You know, don't don't be the wallflower. You you don't need to be the wallflower anymore. No, you can just that's the whole purpose of this exercise. And say hello. Yeah. 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 There are probably entire books written on how to walk up to somebody and say hello because it's so panic inducing. There are. How to Work a Room by Suzanne Rowan. Boom. I recommend that one. Reading list. Yeah. There you go. I, I can hear the Amazon dollars being spent right now. <laughs> ching, ching. Cool. Okay. So we should probably, uh, probably wrap. I, I, Dig, we were kind of hoping we'd come up with a title as we went through this. And I think it's... At the beginning, you said intersection of talents, passions, and yeah. market. Because that's I'm dying to get the word about. bubbles in there, though. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> bubbles. Well, we'll come up with a name. Yeah. Cool. Well, anything else we should add before we wrap? No, I just think this exercise is important. And it's kind of before the beginning. I just want to say that again. It's if if you're struggling with any part of your business right now, it might make sense to go back to this and say, have I done this? Have I looked at my talents, my passions and the market? And am I selling at the intersection of those things? And if not, what things could I tweak to make it happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.